Christianity is Christ and his cross. You get that, and you will live as you ought to live in the power of the gospel. For gospel-minded believers, the true remembering of the Lord Jesus is to rehearse his atoning death upon the cross at Calvary. Of all the religions of the world, Christianity is a personal faith in one person and in his work to the exclusion of all others. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, this is Pastor Ian Golliher. Welcome to today's program. We're going to the cross today because this sermon is preparing the hearts of men and women for communion. The Lord has given us two symbols whereby we remember his death, and we do this physically by the emblem of bread and the emblem of the cup with red juice. And that helps us to remember the suffering, the atoning blood sacrifice that our Lord Jesus offered at the cross of Calvary. Now, this is at the very heart of our Christianity. We're going to plead today that Christianity is Christ and the cross. If you get that, you get it all. If you don't get that, you don't get anything. Christ and his cross. And a Christian is to spend considerable time meditating upon Calvary, the Savior hanging there, offering up himself as a sacrifice for our sins. In his atoning death, the substitute for sinners on whom our sins were led and where the Father punished him in our place. Now, that is at the very core of the gospel and of our faith. It is the ground of our salvation, and it is also the ground of our victory day by day as we seek to live the Christian life. And so today we are called to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, to the cross, to consider Christ in his death, to remember him. Let's go back in our Bibles to Luke 22, and the verse 19, the Lord Jesus said, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Stop at the cross. Christian, never get beyond the cross. Never think that you're too mature, too academic, too smart, too strong, or 
too proud to go beyond the cross. The Lord has given us just two symbols by which we remember His death visibly. They are, of course, the bread and the cup. These have not been designed by the church, nor were they originated with by the apostles. They were given to us directly by our Lord Jesus Himself. And it is purely and solely out of His own heart's desire that He gives us these symbols, and He says, remember me. In verse 15, you see the depth of emotion in our Lord's heart as He does so. It says, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Now, this, of course, would be the last Passover where the Jewish manner of remembering would take place. This now was the institution for the Christian church. This was just hours before our Lord Himself would go to the cross. We see the amazing devotion to His task. With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The Lord was very aware of what the next hours and how they would unfold. We are to remember our Lord in all the issues and all the trials of Christian living. When our faith is weak and our love is low, the Lord says to us, remember me. Weakness of faith and a weariness of heart is not an excuse to bypass this command, remember me. When we are troubled by the condemning voice of sin, and our hearts would disapprove, it's not an excuse to cease remembering our Lord in this appointed way. When we feel the tempter's power ever so strong, we need to remember the Lord all the more. When we feel the reproach of a persecuting world and its hatred against the name of Christ and our desire to bear His image, then the Lord would say to you, remember me. When you find it hard to pray, and the words don't come, and the desires of heart are cold, then the Lord would say to you, remember me. When we need to evangelize, and we don't feel the power to go and speak for the Savior, when we confess that we don't have the boldness to be a witness for the Lord, then the Lord would say, remember me. And let the fire of faith burn in your soul of what Christ has done for you. 
And then, in that strength, go evangelize. When even at the end of life and we feel the dark cloud of death hanging over our bodies, when we're going down through the valley of the shadow of death, when all else is closing out and shutting in, the Lord says to us even then, remember me. There's not a time, there's not a struggle in the Christian life when we're not to remember our Lord in His death. Christianity is Christ and His cross. You get that, and you will live as you ought to live in the power of the gospel. For gospel-minded believers, the true remembering of the Lord Jesus is to rehearse His atoning death upon the cross at Calvary. Of all the religions of the world, Christianity is a personal faith in one person and in His work to the exclusion of all others. And here we are in 2023, 2,000 years after the death of our Lord on that cruel tree, and we are here to remember as the Lord has bidden us. But how can we do this? What would the Lord say to us right now? What would He say to your heart with all that you're going through and all the pressures that you feel in your daily walk, how would the Lord say to you, remember me? Let me give you just a few pointers. The Lord says, remember the greatness of my sacrifice. And that comes up here because it's based upon the history of the Passover. You remember that night when the angel of death would visit Egypt and the command was given to the believing Israelites that they were to take a lamb and put the blood of a lamb upon the doorpost that the angel of death may not visit? Think about it. There were about two million Israelites in Egypt, men, women, and children. That would mean at least... 200,000 homes if there were 10 people in each home. How many lambs were required? 200,000 lambs in one night slain that their blood would be posted that the angel of death may be kept at bay. And so when Jesus took upon him to be the ultimate final paschal lamb to suffer in the place of his people, it had to be a great sacrifice of almighty worth. And so in the one person of our Lord Jesus is all the fullness of God and all the fullness of deity, and yet his blood was poured out for us. 
we focus here today on a single death of a single person, one person's blood who paid it all and paid it finally. And this is the battle for orthodoxy. This is at the heart of our Christianity. Jesus died for me. And every Christian can say that of every generation and of all the multitudes that shall be in glory. Jesus died for me. And so the worth of his sacrifice was absolutely infinite. And so it is essential that as we today remember the Lord Jesus, that we don't lose sight of the greatness of his sacrifice, the value, the worth that is in our Savior's death upon that cross. So when you take that cup and bread and you look upon those symbols, look beyond them to the blood of the Son of God that was poured out to wash away your sin and to bring you, to reconcile you to God. Now, do you have that faith in the greatness of the sacrifice? Is that what you believe? Is that what assures your heart? Do you really lay hold upon that truth? Is it something that is more than just an outward external thing? But deep in your heart, it speaks to you. Uh, The book of Hebrews talks about Jesus' blood being speaking blood. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It speaks pardon and peace It speaks that it is well with your soul. It speaks that God is pleased and satisfied. The greatness of the sacrifice gives you that wonderful assurance. The next thing, the Lord says, remember the purpose and the people of my sacrifice. Now this, verse 20, was spoken to the disciples as he met around that table. But that institution was expanded, especially by Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, and he was in the Corinthian church to the Corinthian Christians, and he reminded them of how the Lord Jesus, on the night that he instituted this supper, he gave these symbols, not just for the disciples, but for all of his believing people. And in Matthew 26, 28, same incident, same event, it is recorded that Jesus said that his blood was shed for many for the remission of sins. I think you should look that up. I think you should know this verse. Matthew 26, 28. I had intended just to quickly quote it, but I think it's crucial I think you need to lay hold upon the people and the purpose of the Savior's statement here. Matthew 26 and 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Now, don't ask me how many. Multitudes, 
an innumerable number, a vast array of peoples of all nations and tongues, and so on, shed for many for the remission of sins. And the word remission means to set at liberty, to liberate you from your sins. And that is recorded also in Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And that's the same term, the same truth that Jesus came, that by His death, by His blood that He shed on the cross, He would liberate. He would set souls free from all the curse and all the condemnation and all the wrath of God upon sin, that His people would be liberated, just like the children of Israel out of Egypt. On that Passover night, they were brought out of the slavery of Egypt and eventually brought across the Red Sea. They were a liberated people. And so on the other side of the sea, they sang the song of Moses. And we are that people that are liberated. We are no longer groveling, making bricks, and by hard labor trying to work our way into God's acceptance. Our sins have been dealt with. They're gone. As far as the east is from the west, the Lord remembers them no more. They will never meet up. You'll never see those sins again when you plead the power of Jesus' blood to cover them over. And so to eat and to drink worthily, and that's what the apostle exhorted, that we, we must eat and drink worthily. To do so, we must enjoy the liberating power of the gospel in our souls. There must be a, a readiness to say, I have been set free from the guilt of sin, from the curse of it, the shame of it, and the judgment of it on that great day. I'm free, free. Hallelujah, I'm free. And so as you take that cup and bread, you don't do so as a slave, but as a son. You do so as free. This is a, a living, voluntary, personal expression. This is my faith and my delight in what my Savior has done for me. When I think of my Savior's great love in coming from heaven above to die on the tree for a sinner like me I am sure that He loves even me. I am sure that He loves even me. I am sure that He loves. 
makes my joy so complete when I think how he loves even me. When I think how he saves me from sin, though often ungrateful I've been, my vow I renew to be faithful and true, for I'm sure that he loves even me. Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church. And this is Pastor Ian Golliher calling all Canadians back to the Bible. Every orchard has a pile of firewood somewhere in the corners of the field. It is an annual task to cut the dead wood off the vine to prepare for another year's growth. No one ever asked to use that dead wood from the vine for carpentry. No one ever tries to build a house with wood from the vine. It is too twisty, too fickle to build anything from wood from the vine. It also disintegrates rapidly. Dead wood from the vine is for burning. It must go up in flames. Its ashes then become fertilizer for the soil. This well-known fact must have hit home when the Lord said through his prophet Ezekiel, that Israel was a vine fit only to be burned. God would do to Israel what the farmer does to the wood of the vines. God said, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, As the vine tree among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so will I give the inhabitants of Jerusalem. That's Ezekiel 18, verse 6. The reason is also given in verse 8, And I will make the land desolate, because they have committed a trespass, saith the Lord. A trespass was an act of treachery. It was so grievous to God that he could not let it go unpunished. Did you know that God will always judge sin? God is so inflexibly holy that he must execute the full rigors of the law 
upon the offender every time and all the time. God judges sin to the full demands of the law. God cannot wink at sin. God cannot excuse his creature's transgressions of his holy law and still maintain his own holy nature. So take note, the sins that are committed in Canada today, God will also judge. And there is nothing else but the fire for that wood of the vine. It is useless for any other purpose. And that simply means that if a man will not worship God, if they will not bow the knee to the true God and worship him according to his word, they are headed for burning. You see, God created us to worship him. He made us in his image, in righteousness, true holiness of heart, with desires to honor and glorify our God and our Creator. But sin has entered our hearts. Sin has caused a rot within, and we are rendered useless to God. We are but fuel for the fire. How many Canadians realize this? Do you realize this? As the wood of the vine is only fit for burning, so the soul that sins against God is headed for judgment. The Lord Jesus said so in his parable of the vine in John 15. He said, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. That will be you. There is no escape. Vines that wither are for the fire. You were created to worship God. You have been called into Christ to be saved. You have professed his name, perhaps, and yet you have turned to the world and sin. But this is where the gospel becomes good news. God has found a Savior for sinners. He has provided a substitute on whom to judge our sins. You need to flee to Christ to be saved. That is the answer to the plague of sin within our heads and hearts. Go to the cross of Calvary. Isn't it wonderful that upon a tree our Savior died for us? While we were like vines or trees fit for burning, God's wrath fell on his own Son on another tree, the tree of Calvary. And there God poured his wrath upon his Son, and the Son drank the cup of wrath dry for us. Oh, do not be like the vine fitted only for burning, but repent, turn to the Lord and worship him. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of, the, of our faith, and be ye saved today. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching 
of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.